Hello, everybody. Welcome along to today's episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. My name's James Dixon, and wishing all of our podcast followers a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever, whenever you're tuning in to today's podcast from. Um, two guests on today's show. Always fantastic, because it makes my job a lot easier when we've got two educated people willing to talk about their area of expertise. Um, joining us, first of all, is Nick Dugdale-Moore. Nick is the uh, Regional Manager for Europe for UFI, And uh, on the other line, and I didn't ask where you are, today Lou whereabouts are you I'm at the Grand Hall at Olympia today from the Grand Hall at Olympia the perfect setting to talk uh, about the events industry um, Lou Kuanaka who's the vice chair of uh, ESSA and also a member of ESSA uh, via her company Event Shaper of which uh, I think you're managing director is that right yes that's correct excellent um We've got Nick and Lou onto the podcast today to um, look at the subject of trade associations and, and, and look at their value. Um, we, we posed a question on Twitter earlier on today prior to, to hitting recording this podcast of whether or not um, trade associations do enough for their members and the industry. Um, in, in hindsight, it would have been good to maybe get that poll going a, a little bit earlier, maybe generate a little bit more feedback because I don't, I don't think looking at the stats on that particular uh, Twitter poll, we can really draw too much into it. It was about 50 but um, trade associations, Nick, have been around for a long, long time. As long as there have been businesses, there have been collaborations of businesses and, and groups of organisers and uh, businesses getting together to, um, to help shape their industry, whichever industry they work in. Um, give us, a, I suppose, first of all, we should maybe talk a little bit about what each of your respective organisations do and the particular areas of the industry they serve. So, Nick, to you first of all and, and about Ufi. Uh, so UFI, we are the global association of the exhibition industry. We relatively small. We have just under 800 members. 70% of them are international exhibition organizers. 30% are venues because some of them cross over and do both. Uh, and about 15% are the others. And there we have 56 national associations and regional associations like the AEO in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and a handful, not too many, um, service providers and, and partners, so convention bureaus, etc. Excellent. And, and, and Lou, for those um, who aren't aware of ESSA, the Event Supplier and Services Association, tell us a little bit about uh, what ESSA do and who they represent. So ESSA represents um, a really broad range of contractors and suppliers to the event and exhibitions industry. So uh, going from our core stand contractor communities through to AV, catering suppliers, hostess um, and host uh, providers. So quite broad range. Um, uh, we've been going for 10 years. We had our 10-year anniversary last year, so we're starting to get into the nitty-gritty of, of uh, being a full-on trade association, serving as many of our members as we can well that, that leads us nicely so when you say serving our members as best we can because ultimately that's what any association is there to do is to serve the members regardless of what it is that they're doing um, professionally and what line of work they're in um, how do your respective uh, organizations serve their members what what I suppose is their is their mantra um, coming back to you Nick you know what why was UFI established and ultimately what's its core objective uh, UFI was established in 1925, so prior to that there were large, you know, the International Show of uh, the International Fair of Paris and the International Fair of Rome. Um, and around this time there were proliferation of, of new uh, expos and fairs starting up that were perhaps of a lesser quality. So the original founding members got together um, and said, look, you know, we, we want to um, establish this association that represents our values and, and quality and data and reliable, um, trustworthy 
uh, events has always been at the, the heart of what we do. Um, and so they, 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 they got together and founded Lutri back then. Um, mm. Last week I was in Zagreb for Zagreb Fair's 110th anniversary and they were one of our founding members back in 1925. Um, what we do nowadays, we have a, a PIN strategy that we've had for the last um, decade or so, which is promote, inform and network. So promote obviously at a, at, a, at a global level or even at a national level, our industry is not particularly well understood. Um, if you look at it from the point of view of government business, we're qualified as integrated media, which, you know, alongside WPP and people like that, which obviously we have nothing to do with. So, um, you know, some business events, whether that's congresses or, or what have you, it's relatively easy to measure the economic impact, um, mm. you know, heads of beds, if you like, whereas exhibitions, trade fairs, we represent much more than that. You know, we, you know, we, we help the industries, whatever that trade show is, um, 40, 50 years ago, many more, they were much more transactional. So deals used to get done. Now it's not necessarily the case, yeah. but it's hard to measure, but certainly they play a really vital part in all of those industries um, that we serve. Okay. And, um, uh, and Lou, uh, um, I suppose it's a nice um, balance on the show today between the two organizations. Nick, as he said, represents um, uh, trade show organizers, fairground owners, um, national and international exhibition associations, where you, ESSA is very much about the suppliers, the contractors who are servicing and serving those venues and those organizers. Yeah, so um, the great thing about ESSA is we've got such a broad range of members that um, we're, you know, we're, we've got massive amounts of intelligence in our community that could really drive the success of shows um, and are really on the other side of it, you know, drive best practice and kind of get to the nuts and bolts of some of the issues that our industry faces, mm -hmm. um, particularly in light of things like reduced tendencies and um, and some of the pressures that our events now come under. So we are at the raw end of, of things, but in that sense, we're, we're kind of primed to present opportunities as well as um, mm. challenges. Well, when I look at, um, at associations and trade associations, um, on the one hand, it, it strikes me that there's uh, a bit of a strange situation going on because a lot of the members for both your organisations will be potentially competing businesses within the same marketplace um why would businesses who are essentially in competition with one another want to get together and i don't know share ideas and things surely they're just giving away uh what they're doing and and and, and giving ideas to people who could be taking business from them so um from from a lot of what we see um you know it's about raising standards so that you elevate the collective not just the individual. Our individual responsibilities within our companies are all about raising our individual mm -hmm. standards, uh, lifting our individual efficiencies. Um, but there is, there is um, a requirement, I think, across the industry to join forces sometimes and kind of present an, an other opportunity or mm -hmm. another set of um, op um, options that we could influence um, mm -hmm. and make a change across the industry. Um, we, I think over, over the years, we have become more insular in our own companies. Uh, and as such, actually, we've, we've lost some things in our industry that we used to consider quite valuable. Mm 
um, things like welfare of our contractors and things is, is negated now because we are a, a large number of individual com- companies. Yeah. We've kind of lost our momentum in terms of saying as a, as a collective community, these are the things that we consider to be important and essential in delivering events to the standard that um, our, our organisers and our venues would like us to. And, and, and just to sort of keep keep on Essa for a moment, Nick, if you don't mind, is is, is something that I read, uh, Lou, on the Essa website in preparation for today's podcast, which was the the process of of applying to become a member of the organisation and 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 what and the positives that I think that that process brings. One of them was that the that a business has to have been trading for twelve months and 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 have um, sponsors, people within the industry who can vouch for the work that they've done. So there's a, a level of integrity that comes just from applying and being accepted as a member, which in turn presumably allows ESSA members to then paint themselves and put themselves in a position of, of, um, of good standing when it comes to selling their own services. So, uh, so yes, uh, in terms of that, um, Esther are looking at the moment, taking that a step further. Um, it's always important for a trade association to provide opportunities for their members to step themselves aside from, from you know, the hundreds of other companies out there and mm. put themselves as a, you know, a, a trade checked kind of um, company. And ESSA are at the moment investing heavily in an accreditation scheme uh, with a view to, again, kind of lifting the standard of contractors that are part of the ESSA community. Mm. Nick, Nick, just coming across to you and, and, and asking the, the same question that I put to Lou about, you know, businesses that are essentially competing with each other in the same marketplace. Um, and, and that's no different for, for venues and major international event organisers. Um, what, what are really some of the positives that you see when you're working with your own clients in terms of what they get out of being a member? Well, I, I fully echo what Lou said about, you know, we need to collaborate to kind of raise standards uh, mm. collectively. Um, and obviously, if we're kind of growing the pie, you know, b- between us, that, that's, that, that helps everybody. Um, beyond that, look, we need to, we, we do a lot of research and we ask, um, you know, at a CEO level, what keeps you awake at night? What are your biggest challenges? And often the similar ones come up and not surprisingly, it's, you know, economic um, situation locally and globally. But then also kind of internal challenges, which is like HR, um, which can be the impact of digitization in your company or your events. So these are issues that affect us all. Um, and that's, you know, to get these answers, that's, that's the raison d'etre of, of a trade association. Mm. And finally, the, the end of our pin strategy, the networking, um, you know, we run about six global events all around the world every year um, from a small CEO summit to a kind of our larger Congress is still quite small. It's 500 people, but there, um, but if you're interested in international events and you want to know about maybe taking your show to, Indonesia or Thailand or you know somewhere in Southeast Asia or Brazil or wherever it may be um, you know she's over there or he's over there there's a, there's a guy from that country so the business opportunity because a lot of these events if you look at how yeah. much um, firstly private equity money is how much consolidation is happening in the industry um, people are buying and selling shows all the time and you know there's a few kind of very canny operators that you see at the UFI events sitting in a corner um, and then, you know, doing these, having these meetings and then a few months down the line, you kind of see the deals that they've done. So, yeah. you know, yes, we're on a day-to-day basis, you're competing at an individual show level perhaps, but, you know, it's a fast moving landscape and, you know, there's a lot of value to be had from, from this kind of network. 
I know that the question that's often asked, and not just in the events industry, we should be fair about about any trade association in any any industry sector. I've heard over many years, uh, going back to when I I worked in in, in publishing and in advertising, um, you know, asking of traders, well, what's the point of being a member? What do they actually offer us? And actually, there's a flip side to that as well, which often doesn't get asked as much, which is, are the members of these associations doing enough to actively engage with what's available to them? Do we think that that's a more pertinent way to look at it? Yes. I mean, look, if I can jump in there, just because I did before Lou did. Um, <laughs> yes. Look, just because it's like if you get a gym membership, just because you've kind of paid the money and got a card, that doesn't get you fit. You've got to actually take advantage of it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, for an, for an association, we have a lot of members that that have minimal engagement. That you know, they don't come to our events, they don't take part in our awards, they don't you know take part in our education programs. Um, and I guess, look, hope, well, hopefully, there is still some value. The same value as you said, um, being a member of ESSA, you need to be introduced and sponsored and promoted by current OV members. Um, and then perhaps that's enough for them. But you know, it's not rocket science. The more you put in, the more engaged you are. Um, you know, similar to, to the AEO and, and other associations, we have uh, working groups in, in sustainability or in marketing or not. So whatever part of the business you're in, I mean, if you're passing that on, that knowledge on to your staff and your, uh, your, your company and in, in encouraging them to kind of engage, then you'll get more value. I mean, it really is science. Um, so that is the pertinent question. Ask, ask not what your association can do for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I would say down here that very quote nick that very quote <laughs> i held back from shouting it <laughs> i would say i mean i'm gonna answer this one as a member because obviously the only reason i'm vice chair is because i'm a member of esther and have been for a number of years now maybe definitely not as long as a lot of members um so uh, but my reason for joining the Trade Association, uh, bearing in mind what we do, which is actually operational management. So, in, in you know, our peers sit under the AEO um, rather than ESSA. So it's not, you know, essentially sometimes not our natural home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the purpose for doing it, for me personally, uh, within my business, is to affect change, to influence the future, um, and to make our world however small that might be, a better place to be. Mm. Uh, so that's quite, you know, kind of the one reason for, for joining. And I've absolutely benefited um, as a result of that, just by making our day-to-day world um, better for having been part of ESSA. There sure. are so many other companies that just want it for the kind of uh, the tick box, the kind of quality mm. standard, the charter, all those kind of things as a you know to add on to the bottom of their emails as part of a selling tool, and then there's a huge array in between who might make use of it for, you know, some kind of legal helpline options or you know, um, employment law options or or just net and yeah networking. When I say just networking, that's pretty much one of the biggest reasons that that we all join these things um, is to be in a room of like-minded or not like-minded people and open our eyes and and meet people that we wouldn't meet otherwise so I think it's one of the I kind of um, see it as a bit of a pick and mix so the job of a trade association is to ensure that there's enough variety in their offering to Mm. fit all the different reasons or as many of the different reasons as possible that somebody would possibly want to join a trade association and that for one is not going to be the same as another 
uh, in both of your uh, organizations, how accurately do you um, uh, monitor or track the engagement that comes from your own members? You know, the incoming inquiries and the incoming requests for information from your actual members. It's something that is monitored really, really closely. I'm, to be honest, I'm probably not the right person to answer that one. So I'm going to pass that one over to Nick. Yeah, go, 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 jump in, Nick. Yeah, I mean, how do we monitor it? So, so the way we're structured, our headquarters are in Paris, um, yeah, and I now look after our European members. We have uh, an office in Hong Kong, we look after our Asian members. Uh, we have uh, a guy in Dubai, who's looking after the region there, and, and Anna Maria Arango in Bogota. So the first point of contact will be the regional managers. Um, yes. But there are long-standing relationships with, you know, different members of our team. So, mm-hmm. you know, looks after research they'll have you know that question or sustainability or whatever um so you know as i said a lot of our members are very engaged um the vast majority well the majority i'd say sit in the middle and as you know similar to what lou said there are a few that are not engaged and that's that's our challenge um to kind of reach out to them and and to kind of you know get them engaged because there are you know if we can't demonstrate the value of this membership fee and there's a problem there somewhere that's that's definitely our our failing yeah yeah uh, absolutely and 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 that that must be frustrating sometimes because as you said you know members of associations pay a membership fee you know that they will fund the organization through subscriptions every year and inevitably you will get in in some industries and in some associations members coming back at the end of the year saying well i'm not going to bother renew i spent all that money and I'd, i didn't get anything from it and you're i guess having to sort of fight a constant battle loo between you know justifying the cost of membership in order to keep the organization going and 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 actually then having the guts to question a member when they haven't actually actively engaged with the organization in a 12-month period yeah absolutely so we uh, recently as uh, the as the board kind of did a full day strategy and got some real nitty-gritty uh, kind of feedback from from a broad range of our members just both qualitative and quantitative some of the um, qualitative um feedback was yeah it's quite hard quite quite hard to hear in some cases mm. but it's important that an industry listens to that because um because we might not have the solutions for every single individual example of a problem um but it's important to see those kind of running themes um, so you could maybe collect four or five pieces of feedback that have got kind of a similar narrative or yeah. um you know, a running common thread that might identify an issue with another part of our industry. And if we don't get that feedback, um, we're not doing our job. And, and that ties in very, very nicely with, with the ethos of the very industry that both organisations are serving. You know, the events industry, perhaps more so than the other end industry, is built on continually bettering itself, obtaining feedback post-event, finding out what went well, but more often than not finding out what didn't go so well and, and looking at ways to improve that. Um, Nick, when it comes to UFI, are you guys, um, I guess there's a proactive engagement with the members to find out what it could be doing better, but um, how do you look at other trade associations in other industries and see what they're doing for inspiration? Um, well, I mean, as I said, you know, we have like 56 associations that are our, uh, our, our members, and that's a kind of unique community, if you like. Mm. Uh, they meet together two or three times a year, and it depends you know, who we get, the biggest mixes at the Congress. Um, 
the easiest thing to measure is the is our events because we work with Explorey and, and get some decent post robust um, reports there on how we're performing against our own events against other industry events. So so for the events which remain the networking remains the number one uh, value and priority for our members. We have really strong feedback and mm. you know uh, look you can't please all the people all the time but as as Lou said you need that honest feedback. Um, to kind of to move forward so we're, we're constantly looking at that uh, beyond that we do an annual membership survey uh, mm -hmm. about more broadly most of our activities um but yeah i mean to go back to your previous point about how do you demonstrate the value yeah I mean, it's different from us you know in europe we're perhaps well we are certainly better known and in asia now you know in latin america where we only set up an office a year ago um, and started the chapter there four years ago we're less well known um so it's not a question you know it, it, it's just ufi in itself isn't well known and we have to kind of start from refresh so that's a different conversation to to a, a you know an unengaged member which may be that perhaps you know we've typically spoken to one particular person at a board level and there's kind of like a, a blockage and that information or is getting talked down to the rest of the company which mm. also happens. Sure. And, uh, and Lou, as, 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 as part of the Events Industry Alliance, ESSA is, is closely aligned with um, the Association of Event Venues, the Association of Event Organisers. Um, does that put you in a very, very good position? And does ESSA thrive off the fact that it, it can work closely with these other organisations who are representing similar interests but in a slightly different sector of the same industry and, and look at what they're doing and share best practices there internally yeah I mean honestly no we're not all going to agree all the time mm. um or, and we all got our own um, members to serve um but the collective um, does provide massive opportunity for us to address things on on an industry-wide scale. There are some things that organisers do or, and venues do that they have no idea what the impact is on a contractor. And by us having that alliance there, we've got a platform that's immediately available to us to, to raise that. I mean, sometimes it's just a tweak that's needed to resolve a whole raft of issues. Um, and, and then there's the bigger stuff where... Yeah, we're, we're looking at some of the biggest subjects of our industry at the moment in terms of efficiencies and how we turn events in and out that would benefit all three parties um, if we could find some solutions to it. So mm. it's brilliant that there's that uh, platform there. Um, it's down to us how we use it. Uh, and something else, just, just while we're speaking a little about, um, you mentioned that you're at Olympia today, where, you know, mm -hmm. one, of, one of the UK's you know, most famous and, and historic event venues and, and, and a major event venue. Um, do you think that from a procurement point of view, organisers pay genuine attention to a supplier that will be aligned with a trade association like ESSA that has got that logo at the bottom of their email or on the side of their vehicles? Is, is it something that people pay attention to or is it just something that we imagine makes a difference? I think um, this is something uh, that's going to increase as, uh, as we go into the future as well. Certainly kind of with my kind of two hats on in terms of, you know, I'm responsible for operationally delivering, you know, a, a good chunk of shows here in the UK and overseas, mm. we you know write it into part of our safety planning and our kind of project planning process with our clients. That you know if you if you aren't using a, a member of a trade association, why aren't you? Because there's certain um, you know not so much guarantees, but um, there's 
we're faced with all kinds of risks in what we're doing. If you were just going to pick a company off the shelf with no vetting, mm. um, no no recourse, should anything not um, not go to plan, um, you've got you know, no other information to go off. It's just one of those things that's just so easy to be able to take off. So not the only thing that we look at when we're, when we're sourcing contractors, but it's certainly one of the key things. Are they a member of a reputable trade association? Um, do they pay their bills on time? Is their you know, credit worthiness good? Yeah. Um, can they afford to deliver the job? Um, you know, how, many, how, how strong are they? How stable are they? What's their safety record like? All these kind of things um, are kind of underpinned by that trade association membership. Sure. Um, it's a slightly different, well, I guess, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but a slightly different scenario with UFI given the, the type of members that you've got being venues and, and organisers and, and, and trade fairs and international fairs. But um, is there still this sort of um, presence that being a member of your own organisation brings to them as, a, as an organiser? Of course, and it's look, it's very similar. I mean, if look, if you're a company looking to exhibit at a trade show in the UK, you know, and you're using an ESCA member, you can be guaranteed of a certain quality. And if something goes wrong, of recourse, and and and, and just what Lou was saying, the same. If you're deciding to exhibit at you know an automotive show in China, and there's four automotive shows, I, I don't know. It's more difficult, and there are trade associations that can take you out there. But I mean. Again, that's a huge investment, and like or small, it's all relative. Um, you know, to have an, an UFI, if that, if that uh, event, or the one of the four is an UFI approved event, and they're an UFI member, then yes, you can absolutely um, vouch for the fact that it's a regular event, um, that it's, its figures and its data on visitors and exhibitors are what they say they are, and, and that yes, we, you know, we know the people kind of behind the event, and we can vouch for them. Mm. Uh, and uh, the, the other major consideration, I suppose, that I, I, I would consider is that we now work in an age where there is so much more documentation, um, consideration when it comes to, to safety, um, adhering to certain procedures, protocols. Um, and certainly in the UK, we've got a fantastic reputation for doing that, for delivering fantastic events, fantastic creative events, but doing those to a really high standard, to a really safe standard as well. Um, and if you compare it to when uh, organizations like UFI would have started, you know, a hundred or so years ago, uh, the, the way in which events were organized back then will be completely different now. So more so than ever, having some sort of centralized support for things like documentation, best practice, it, 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 uh, personally, I think more than ever, you know, that's where it, it, associations like this will come into their own loop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the key reasons why I became a member was uh, it was around the time that CDM uh, regulations were kind of sniffing around and we mm. knew that there was a big change coming. And I didn't want to be on the sidelines sitting there and not affect how that influenced our industry because it yeah. could have gone one way or another. We could have ended up spending thousands and thousands of pounds on every show on on mitigating building reg style CDM. Um, but actually, we're not the building industry. We're an event industry. And actually, being part of an association for me meant that I was able to affect um, that to the best outcome possible uh, from my viewpoint. It allowed me and my business to to have a say, uh, have a seat at the table at a time that was, could have gone one way or another. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's, 
you know, something that I think is massively important. We do, we're, we're not the size of industry where individuals can't make a difference. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I'm personally really passionate that associations do provide the opportunity for individuals to really make a mark. And, and um, you know, there's so much we can do to improve what we do. It just takes people getting together, having a good old tune while going, do you know what, that really affects me. Mm. And someone going, do you know what, I had no idea, and that would be such an easy fix. Mm. And, and until all of those little bits and pieces are done, I'm not retiring. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and Nick, j- j- just finally, before, before we wrap up today's episode, um, uh, uh, again, similarly, UFI is representing people uh, in an industry, but on a global level. So when it comes to, to sharing ideas, is it nice to sometimes sit back and see not just companies working in the same industry, but people from, you know, vastly different regions of the world sharing ideas and actually influencing whole regions by looking at how one area is doing it well and how they could perhaps improve. Absolutely. I mean, look, talking to continue on health and safety. um, Unfortunately, there are parts of the world where there are accidents and people are still dying on buildups, which is totally unacceptable in this day and age. Mm. However, it happens. Um, And, you know, when we're focused or, or primarily our members of the organizers, they are still the venues. And so, yeah. you know, obviously quite rightly, there are difficult questions to be asked. But as you said, the UK punches above its weight in terms of events, in terms of, you know, organizing, in terms of, of, of building events. Uh, and, you know, we can fully support that and amplify the good work that's done. So a few years ago, the G Guide was developed, and I believe ESSA was kind of part of that, mm. which was, um, you know, a, glo- a set of standards for, for event build, for health and safety. Um, and we fully support that and can, you know, what we've got is the platform to help push that out around the world, you know, yeah. and our, our awards, we run annual awards in operations and that's free from everyone around the world. So, so we can take best practice from wherever it is. Um, and again, you know, show that to, and it doesn't matter where you are, you know, you can learn from your peers. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's not rocket science, what we do, you know, filling a trade show, which is put the stands in. And even though in many ways it's moved on, if you look at the floor plan of the great exhibition in 1851, it hasn't really changed much at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can, you know, so all of our colleagues around the world face the same questions and, and together we can help. And just briefly on that story. No, 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 please. Two, two weeks ago, well, last week, in fact, was Global Exhibitions Day, which um, is, I mean, there's a lot of every, there's many of these global days, but the Global <laughs> Exhibitions Day um, is where, you know, our whole industry does come together. And we had, um, I mean, there's two goals of it. One of them is to promote um, our industry to governments to big business but also to celebrate the kind of people that work in it and we had I think around 90 countries taking part we're still uh, collating all the data but yeah just it's a it's a chance for us all because we you know we are the association of the face-to-face industry um, and it's nice just to kind of get out of your tunnel you know once in a while and realize you know that we're part of this big global industry and we're all you know answering the same questions, doing the same thing, you know, in it for the same reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Guys, we've run out of time on today's episode, but thank you very much for joining us. Our guests today on the podcast have been Nick Dugdale-Moore. Nick is the UFI Regional Manager for Europe and Lou Kiwanuka, Vice Chair of the ESSA Board and a member of ESSA by her company Event Shaper. Um, Guys, thank you very much for joining the podcast today and talking uh, and giving us a little bit of an insight about the, the great work that the trade associations do within the events industry. There are 
it's several of them but um i think from a personal opinion uh they do, they do great work and and more so than ever we need to be working collectively to make sure that we're doing things as best as possible and continuing to push certainly in the uk our standing as one of the uh the the, the leaders in the events industry globally guys thanks very much for joining the podcast um if you want to find out a little bit more about either of the associations that we've spoken about today ufiufi.org ufi.org is uh the website for ufi and essa e-double-s-a essa.uk.com is the website for essa if you're watching today's podcast on the event industry news website head over to podbean or to itunes or whatever podcast platform you use to download your podcast all of the podcasts are available via audio only versions that you can listen to on your commute to and from work if you're listening to today's podcast the reverse to that is head over to eventindustrynews.com you can see videos of all of our previous episodes and also check out some of the features content and news that is on event industry news while you're there thanks very much again to our guests and we'll see you on the next episode thanks very much bye-bye thanks james